Coming up on The Bridge, Mike Weiland, co-founder and CEO of Govly, joins the show to talk about something we haven't covered on the show yet. We're talking about government tech and why selling to the government is freaking hard and <laughs> transacting publicly and privately with the government and then how Govly makes that easier for businesses that want to do business with the government. Mike touches on the process that he went through in raising his $9.5 million Series A from Insight and what that looked like in building the story for fundraising for a government tech startup, as well as the advantages of building that business in really an industry and vertical that is recession-proof. And then we talk about the challenge that Mike put forth for his team as they were going out to raise their round to hit their goals and their objectives and how he incentivized his people to do that. Rounding it out, talking about founder VC fit and some of the proof points that validated that Insight was the right partner to help Govly scale its company. Full episode. Appreciate Mike jumping on the show. Let's get into it. Giddy up. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything. Gation the game. Shopping for a wedding ring. Salary startups. Crypto stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It is your host, Justin Vandehey, here at The Bridge, where every week we have exceptional founders on talking about their journeys, taking their companies from zero to one. This week on the show, we've got an exceptional founder in hailing from probably the best place on earth, <laughs> uh, on the big island in Hawaii, so incredibly jealous as we enter the winter season, but he's the co-founder and CEO of Govly, which makes selling to the government easy. Mike Weiland, founder of Govly, welcome into the bridge. Nice to meet you, Justin. Nice meeting you. So I thought we'd just open it up, start with some general intros. Love to hear about your background and yeah. also just the founding story behind Govly. Yeah, no, absolutely. So my, uh, my career has been mostly, if not entirely, government contracting. Save a couple years out of my undergraduate degree of finance at uh, Santa Clara. I, I started a soccer equipment manufacturing company with a, a dear friend of mine. Back in 2005 and 2007, I got picked up by a company called Sierra Nevada Corporation, which uh, very gracefully and uh, amazingly launched my government contracting career. They were an awesome company to work for. And from there, bounced to a cryptographic company selling to the government with a company called Mokana. And so that was kind of my, my soiree into the tech-specific realm, but still keeping my roots to government contracting. And since then, went to a government contracting shop in Colorado. And then from there, I parted ways to start my own government contractor. And from, from that organization, we started building software that we needed internally to help manage what we were trying to do. Because what the problem we were solving or the way we were going about government contracting, we thought was pretty unique. And in that world, we needed a, a different type of software that didn't exist. And so we started building it internally. And what ended up happening was that some of our partners and customers were saying, hey, we'd like to work with you, but also how do we buy your software? Because that would be something super awesome. 
And that was kind of our watershed aha moment to be like, hey, maybe we have something here. And we, uh, we spun it out. We spun it out into its own entity. And since then, we were off to the races. We you know, separated all of the tech back in, I think it was 2019, 2020-ish. And then we applied to Y Combinator in summer of 21 and got in and truly been off to the races since then. So I alluded to this in my initial outreach to you that selling into the government is something I don't have any real, really any experience in or knowledge of. That's awesome that you've sort of felt the pain. I love, you know, founders that have sort of opened up with that. If you could dig a little bit further into that, like who is Govly's target customer and just more broadly on sort of the landscape, what does the competitive landscape look like for the, the, the vertical and industry you guys are going after? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, government contracting is, it's a different language. It's a different world. It's, I mean, there are literal degrees you can get in this. And so, you know, to try to try to boil it down in two or three minutes before I start ranting into the, you know, 30 minutes, it's the, the, the world of government contracting. There's a bit of a misconception that the, the government makes public all of the stuff that they want to buy. And it's just categorically false. It's the government does put out a lot of opportunities saying, hey, I'd like widgets or this type of IT or this computer or this new airframe. And there's lots of these opportunities that are public. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are far more opportunities that are what we consider private. And so mm. there's a and there's reasons for it. And the government has has some very valid reasons to make these opportunities private for efficiency and for all of getting around the rules and regulations of government contracting. But there's this disconnect of, we get asked all the time, hey, help me sell to the government. And the amount of red tape and sequence of steps that, you know, the average company has to go through to just have the opportunity to bid is not insignificant. It's not necessarily difficult, but it is time consuming and you do have to follow the process. And so what Govly is trying to do is try to make a, bring some transparency and bring some access to these opportunities across the entire supply chain. So our customers are organizations that are already selling to the government in some form. Specifically, mm-hmm. we've got, I, I look at it, we have four pillars of customers. We've got what we call primes. Primes are just somebody that have access to sell to the government uh, by a direct mean. They have a contract. They have a vehicle. It's called a contracting vehicle. It's just a, it's an avenue to sell to the government. It means they their customer is the U.S. government. But if the Air Force says, hey, I need to buy a thousand computers, the person that's receiving that request for a quote likely doesn't make those computers. They likely buy from a reseller. And that reseller would buy from distribution. And that distribution would buy from the OEM, QN, Lenovo, HP, Dell, et cetera. And so what we are doing is we have created a platform for all of those players to live in a singular unit, be have a single pane of glass to say, hey, when the government needs this opportunity, there needs to be a bona fide need. We can't just publish these things, but we can create an avenue for the prime to share with the reseller, to share with the DISTI, to share with the OEMs, and back and forth seamlessly. Previous to, to Gevly, most of this transaction happens via email. And mm. it gets so confusing because everything is beholden to the prime. And so if this prime misses it, if a literal salesperson individual is trying to sell to the government these thousand computers, but misses the modification from the customer uh, or doesn't see it until late, they could be hosing the downstream. 
they could be working off the an old bill of materials or a wrong due date, et cetera. And so what we've done is created an avenue for everybody to share seamless information. It's it's not that we've changed the end product per se, but we've changed the efic- efficiency and the ability to access what we are calling source level info. Players mud? No, it's good. How long do these sales cycles last? So it's interesting. We have different sales cycle in essence for each of those pillars. And we're, we're going to skip distribution for the moment for primes and VARs for the value-added resellers and for the OEMs. It's, it's slightly different, but we average about 45 days. And there's from our spectrum, we've had a close in like initial meeting. So we've had a close of a couple hours to we've had a close. It took, I don't know, nine months to start to finish of, hey, we're, we like your stuff, but it's not the right time. We need to wait for our what you're going to be replacing or we need budget to open up and it's going to just take a while. But the nice thing about what we do is that it's is when we demo, it's really kind of an immediacy thing of, oh, you see value or you don't. You are either yeah. going to surface information that's going to enable your sales team to be productive today, tomorrow, this week, this month, or it's not. And if it's not, like, no big deal. And it's, yep. it's it, those scenarios where it's not generally revolve around they are selling tech or they're a new OEM, that, that tech is not permeated into the government. And there's, if it hasn't, there's just different avenues to do that. And it's just not from us right now. We are working in ways to make that easier. And you could leverage our platform for networking and gaining access to organizations that sell to the government in a, call it a related field or technology. And maybe you use Gevly to find them, say, hey, you're selling this type of tech. We actually enhance that. Would you consider working with us and bringing our collective products to the government? And, that, mm-hmm. and in that scenario, we can bring value, but it's not the immediate sales enablement, which is kind of our bread and butter. I know recently you guys announced the raise of your Series A, 9.5 million led by Insight. That's huge. Congratulations on that. Thank That's you very massive. Much. It was awesome. Getting into it as much as you can share, I'd love to learn a little bit from you on what that process looked for you, for you guys raising the round. And I know the toll gate changed and evolved. We're in different economic times now, but would love to hear just your perspective on what traction was Insight looking for. You alluded to this too. You guys went through YC. So also, I know there's a lot of folks that listen to the show that are just kind of interested in hearing perspectives on founders that go through YC, what their experience was like there. In a nutshell, we did YC with, I think we had, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars in MRR. I mean, maybe 1500 type of thing. And from there, we got into YC. And by the end of YC, which from my perspective was amazing, there's nothing short of a a brilliant program that they run. And I have nothing but fond words. It's going to be up to the founder to find the value. It's They are going to get out Mm -hmm. of it what they bring to the platform. And what I think YC has done really, really well is created a incredible network, specifically on, you know, not only on the founder side, but the resources that they bring and that we have access to for, hey, these are all of the trial and errors that these other founders went through. And nothing is going to match exactly what you're experiencing, but you can make the relations. And with a little bit of intelligence and a little bit of effort, you make the, make the relationship and you, you learn from it. We exited YC in demo day and we did a seed raid. Raised. We uh, raised a little over one and a half million. I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was easier than I expected. And I think it was easier because we were coming into a, a, a novel market. Like we, we had an mm-hmm. idea. We had probably, oh, I, I don't know the exact number of MRR, but we had landed a number of 
really cool customers during the time based on some of the things we learned in YC. And the story for the investors was was unique. Government contracting was kind of a, it was a great time of industry. It was a great time in the market, but there was also, I think, a protection mechanism of we we sell to government contractors and the government was going to spend money in good times and in bad times. And so there was, I think, a a shift or a belief from the investors that we were safe or attacking a problem that was not necessarily recession proof or depression proof, but it was it was a good bet. And there wasn't anybody like us. I mean, even the YC partners that we had, they're like, we haven't done a, a GovTech and this is exciting. And so that was really cool. So we raised a million and a half, which carried us forward from end of 21 into 22. And we were, uh, in essence, off to the races from there, trying to find our product market fit, talking to customers and trying to build a, a sales team and basically doing lots of experimenting. And fast forward to the end of 22, we were at about 360,000 in ARR. And so that's, it took that long to, to grow to that. And by no means had we fully found uh, product market fit, but we were, we were scratching on the surface. And you know, we kind of set the stage end of 22, early 23 of guys, team, this is, we're kind of at a, a point where we either need to mash the accelerator and we need to figure out how to unlock all of these things. And we focused really hard in that fourth quarter of 22 of how do we change our marketing, our pricing and our kind of a go-to-market strategy. And we revamped it all. And we were transparent with the organization as a whole of like, listen, we're, we're in a spot where this is the time to shine or it's not. And putting that challenge in front of the team and being transparent, I think was the smartest thing we had. We had an incredible set of, of people on the team already and they rose to the occasion. And we went from 360 at the end of last year to we're sitting at about 1.2 million in ARR right now. We did do a small up in our uh, seed round. We kind of did it by seed version two in March when we had great months for January, February, March, and we wanted to capitalize on that to make sure that we could carry on. So we, we did a quick sub-million dollar raise just to shore up the balance sheet. And was that needed? Probably not. Uh, I mean, standing where I stand now, definitely not needed because we were able to close our, our Series A. But at the time, it was the smartest thing we could have done then just to ensure longevity. The March turned into April, turned into June, and we had maintained anywhere from our 12 to 20% month over month growth, which was just, and it was a lot of fun to be part of and a lot of fun to watch the team grow, see product market fit, see customers start to recognize our name. You asked about insight. It was from what we could tell from our existing seed investors, there was a, an air of like, you know what, the market's kind of strange, but we were given kind of guidance. If you can raise a series under good terms, you probably should because the, the market is kind of on this downward tick, but we don't know if it's going to carry on in the future or how long it's going to take to recover, but you should at least consider it. So we started putting feelers out there. I, I mean, it took, I'd say from start to sign term sheet, it was probably three months, which is a incredible time. I feel very fortunate, very lucky. I think that's the, fast. Yeah. The, yeah. That's fast. The, you know, and it wasn't without a whole bunch of no's or couple offers of, hey, we've got a term sheet for you. And it was just terrible, like just awful. It was one of those like, I'm, I'm sorry, are you are you missing a digit? Did, is this a typo? And so it was looking for the right partner and insight just happened 
they they gave us the right amount of time and they had the right intensity in the GovTech space. And the the no's were organizations or family funds that were like, yeah, we don't really know. We're kind of throwing darts to the wall. But Insight, Insight got it. There was a couple, we had a couple of VCs that truly got it and it came down to them and Insight just it proved that they they had their their stuff together and were willing to be partners moving forward. And that was what really kind of pushed over the edge for us. And so it's, it's hard to say what did it for them in terms of exact metrics. I know they were looking for that million dollar ARR mark, that infamous thing that we were being told like, hey, that goalpost has actually moved. It's more like a million and a half now. And insight like, no, we don't necessarily need it to be today, but we need to see a very clear and concrete path that it's imminent. Yeah. I think the point you also bring up is the founder VC fit and just the, you mentioned the level of diligence or at least knowledge and work that they had done in the GovTech space. Cause I know a lot of firms are either incredibly general, yep. but I, I feel like that's such an important part of it in finding a long-term partner to successfully scale and build, build the right business that understands. So that's, it's awesome that you guys were able to to feel that out and, and find somebody that uh, is going to be there to support you in the long Absolutely. haul. I mean, the, one of the best things that Insight did for us is they, they presented to us after the deal closed kind of why they invested in us and their research. And the amount of research that they did was just incredible. Yeah. And the family funds, there's nothing wrong with them, but they were never going to do that level of investigation. And it was proven in their due diligence. I mean, the due diligence on some of the small firms were like, hey, you know, here's a great term sheet. And it was a great term sheet. And they were like, we can close in two or three weeks. No big deal. Let us know type of thing. And Insight was a full little over a month, but it was, hey, here's our due diligence team on the legal side. Here's our due diligence team on the accounting side. Here's our due diligence team on the go-to-market strategy and the business aspect. And it was intense. And so it was, I mean, in the end, we are better for it. We are better poised. We are better aware of an outside perspective of, hey, this is how we see the world. How do you see the world? I'm sure there's things in your sector specifically that are, are particularly challenging for Govly in, in this business. What has been the hardest part about building this company? And what are some of the challenges that you guys are wrestling with right now, as much as you're comfortable sharing? The biggest challenge or what I see is Govly's challenge today is we now have money in the bank and we have a vision for the future. And the challenge that we're going to do is we're eight employees. And in order to hit the metrics that I believe we can hit and that our board is expecting us to hit is we can't do it with the eight people we have. We have to build a team and we're going to double in size here in the next, call it two to four months. And getting the right team is priority number one. Don't get me wrong, like continuing our growth rate and continuing sales is important, but not as important as getting the team right. We have every person, every senior person on the team today is doing interviews, making sure we are finding the right fit, making sure we are hiring the right engineering roles, sales roles, product designer, all of these recs that we have, have online. It's, they are so important because while we could probably find good enough and maintain our, our sales rate or our, our product shipping rate, the fact of the matter is any slight slowdown there is geared towards ensuring that we have the right team that's going to enable us at the end of next year, hit our mark. At the end of the following year, hit our mark. So the biggest challenge we have is, is getting the, ensuring we find the right talent. Mike, well, again, thank you so much for, for making this time. As we round it out, you guys are on this obviously awesome trajectory. What is next for Govly? And you mentioned hiring is obviously one big yep. thing, but then anything else that you wanted to plug? It's our uh, 
our TAM expansion. We have the opportunity to build out our core of what we are bringing to market today. But as we expand and get the right, right people to help us accelerate that, it's we are very excited about where we're going to go. And right now we're focused in Fed. You know, we're going to expand into, or we're focused in the IT version of the federal space, going into the non-IT, going into the sled market and even potentially the, the international markets. And so it's where we are headed is all of these things to take on some of these organizations that have been doing a, a portion of what we do for 30, 40 years, and it's time for a change. All right, man, I'll let you get going. I know you got a couple things going on here this afternoon, but again, Mike, congratulations on all of the traction success today. Love to keep up with you all and have you back on the show here, hopefully in not too long. That would be awesome. Justin, this has been fun. Thank you very much. All right, that is a wrap. Again, shout out to Mike Weiland, the entire team over at Govly. Again, a major congrats on closing out the Series A. And if you are a business trying to grow your federal presence, trying to grow through contracting with the government, want to win more bids, collaborate on more deals, strongly encourage you to check out govly.com today. This week on the show, we've got another great founder on. She is building a consumer-first product that's focused on uh, the women's health category and vertical and raised around recently from Google Ventures. Fantastic founder. You're going to want to tune into that. And hey, building a company is hard work. So if there are specific guests you want to hear from or subjects you'd love to hear on the show, please reach out. Send me a note, justin at thebridgeround.com. Be sure to follow us on the X at the Bridge Round, as well as on TikTok. And if you get a moment and you like the show, always welcome positive reviews wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, keep doing your thing. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. Grind. Grind. Getting that money. Hustle. See them dollar signs. Hustle. Grind. Grind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything Asian again. Shopping for a wedding ring. Salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. I can change. One phone call.